This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to our next edition of Irish Illustrated Insiders Recruiting Extra. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by Kevin Sinclair. And before we get into our Five Guys segment, sort of recap some of the news of the week and what's coming next week, because we could finally, after teasing it last week, be on the verge of Notre Dame picking up another commitment uh, in the 2018 class. But uh, Notre Dame out this week, Ashton White no longer with the program, still in school. And then, as we reported today, Daniel Cage... Pro- won't play this year, uh, may return after taking a medical redshirt to rehab after multiple concussions and knee surgery, but that's not certain either. Uh, but Notre Dame down another defensive tackle, and it's this is sort of one of the reasons, Kevin, that we spend so much time trying to break down recruiting and see who fits where and who might fit, because when Notre Dame has a guy or guys that, that don't pan out, it seems to leave a, a pretty big hole on the roster, and I think Daniel Cage is going to be a good one, as we were talking about some of the defensive linemen they signed in the uh, 2014 and 2015 class. Yeah, after Ashton White decommitted yesterday, I sort of you know, saw you know, the trend recently that where we're getting some decommitments with Barajas and, and others, including Ashton White now. Um, which led me to sort of have a look back at the 2014 and 2015 classes and just see how many of these guys are even still around or producing at Notre Dame. And, um, you know, 14, you've got Pete Makwa, um, you know, there's Niall Sykes, Colin Hill, Johnny Williams. Um, you know, some of these guys are no longer with the program. Grant Blankenship's another. Um, Jonathan Bonner. You know, there's the ones that are, you know, the defensive linemen from these classes that are, still at Notre Dame or have played, haven't really lived up to the expectations, sort of like Andrew Trimbetti and Jay Hayes were the sort of top two defensive linemen in the 2014 class, um, and both have played, but not really lived up to the four-star billing that they, you know, came to Notre Dame with, Um, you know, and then followed by the 2015 class, which is Ashton White's class, the first one I sort of looked up yesterday, um, just the defensive class that year has not panned out. It's been uh, a rough go. Um, McKelty Williams no longer with the program. Um, they did get a, a pair of, you know, pretty good linebackers in Tavon Coney and Asmar Bilal. But again, uh, neither starters um, so far in their careers uh, won't be starters this year either. Um, you know, then Ashton White leaving, um, you know, Mike Dude Treadway um, still hasn't played. Brandon Tiasum um, has not played. Josh Barajas is no longer with the program. Um, you know, the two that sort of have shown that they can play um, in that class, Sean Crawford, um, but unfortunately he's been injured his whole career. Um, Jerry Tillery, of course, um, you know, shows a lot of promise, but hasn't really turned it up, hasn't really been – um, you know, super productive, pushing the pocket, getting after the quarterback, being that interior pass rusher that um, everyone was sort of 
hoping him to be. And Elijah Taylor, of course, he showed a bit of a flash last year, um, but unfortunately had suffered a pretty bad injury this summer. So um, we don't know sort of when he's going to be back and what shape he'll be in when he comes back. So, um, yeah, sort of spinning that forward into this class, um, you know, Notre Dame's really done a great job at recruiting defensive tackles of Jason Ademalola. One of the top defensive tackles in the country. He looks, you know, as close to a can't-miss prospect as you can find. Um, Jamie and Franklin, sort of, um, you know, that gritty, tough-nosed tackle. Looks like he's going to be a really hard worker, uh, smart kid. Um, he looks really promising. And then Justin Ademalola, I mean, he has, you know, some great technique. He looks like a guy who can contribute down the road. The issue is it looks like Notre Dame, would you know I, I think they would ideally like to add two more defensive ends a sort of a, you know obviously a drop end um jason oa being that guy um visiting today huge huge visit uh but from everything i'm sort of seeing talking with his coach it looks like he's really trending towards ohio state he's visiting there tomorrow for friday night lights which is a very hyped up event wouldn't surprise me if he committed at that event but again he does have a visit at Notre Dame today with his Harvard grad parents. Um, you got to like some aspects of, of that issue there. Um, and then, you know, of course, Thomas Booker, they've been on him really hard for a long time. Um, you know, he has ties to Stanford, did some summer school courses there. If, you know, he ends up going to Stanford, I don't know what else they have um, on the board behind him as well. If you look at the defensive end board, they've, you know, offered – a lot of defensive ends. Some are committed elsewhere. And I just don't see a lot of defensive ends thinking about Notre Dame right now that are on their board. Um, unfortunately, just it, things don't look great at the defensive end position right now. And you start to wonder, you know, is it going to be a situation where, like last year, they end up sort of grabbing a few guys late, like Tego Veloa and, and Wardlow, like they did last year. Now, we're in a situation with those guys where we're sitting sort of with our fingers crossed, hoping that they pan out because they need to pan out um, for this defense to be successful. So we'll see sort of what's going to happen here um, this summer with Oa, and hopefully we can get some clarity on Booker. But it's definitely a nerve-wracking situation with defensive line recruiting. Yeah, it's, they're, not, they're not in a good spot right now. And I'll be curious – I mean, when we were talking about some of the, the past classes and recruiting missteps they had, so many of them go back to when Brian Van Gorder showed up here in the first place. Uh, and I'm not saying that the all the issues with Notre Dame's roster are his fault, but there are a lot of takes that they had late when he came on board. Like Pete Mako was one of the first ones. Um, you know, But Daniel Cage, who I think was a good take for them, just has had some injury issues and hasn't been able to sort of stay on the field. It's, that's that's not a really a recruiting or an identification issue, but like Colin Hill, Niall Sykes, those were late takes that cycle. Um, you know, Johnny Williams maybe fit in that category a little bit as well. Um, they lost Richard Jurgen to Clemson down the stretch that year after Van Gorder showed up. And I, I, I'm sort of curious as things move forward in the next couple of years, are we going to end up sort of drawing a mental line between guys that the Van Gorder staff took on defense and guys that the Elko staff took on defense. Cause I think that ultimately that's, what's going to happen. And that needs to happen for Notre Dame's defense to compete at a higher level. So Tagovailoa, Wardlow, uh, Awusu Karamoa, 
guys sort of more in that group, those are ones Notre Dame needs to have really come good during their careers here because I think that we've seen that in terms of projection and picking out guys that were good matches and could develop and had some upside at Notre Dame that the old staff just didn't do a very good job of that. You know, Jordan Genmark Heath, I think, would fall into more of the Mike Elko group as well. Uh, and then the previous staff are more Darnell Yule, Jonathan McAllister, Isaiah Robertson, Kurt Heinisch, David Adams, Drew White. Um, you know, that's more of the previous regime and finding guys that they thought would be good fit. So I'll be curious to see if more of the Mike Elko takes outperform some of the Van Gorder takes over the course of the next three, four, maybe five years. But Notre Dame needs that to happen because they, they just lack raw material on defense right now. And, you know, maybe somebody could say, Hey, you're making too much out of Ashton White and Daniel Cage. Ashton White, I get, he was not going to play. He was probably a third or fourth team defensive back, but you know, Daniel Cage, I think is more of symptomatic of, a bigger issue at Notre Dame is that they just have not found guys that can contribute and are good fits. So it's, um, it's been a real challenge. I'm, I'm curious to see how this shakes out now in terms of the new staff and spinning it forward a little bit. The news of the last week was Cade McNamara, the 2019 quarterback from Reno, Nevada committing to Notre Dame first 2019 commitment for the Irish. And, um, Somebody that the new staff liked, Chip Long, Brian Polian, is, in terms of the area recruiter there, obviously has ties to Reno being the head coach at Nevada for four years previously. And, I mean, Kevin, you know quite a bit about the quarterback position. I think there's some things you like about McNamara, some things you think he really has to improve on. What was sort of your initial reaction when that commitment came down? Yeah, well, the way that I saw the sort of quarterback um, board for Notre Dame in terms of guys they've offered – um, I wasn't super surprised when he committed. Um, I think that, you know, Notre Dame shot high with guys like JT Daniels and Spencer Rattler and Bo Nix. Those guys you offer because you have to offer them because they're such good quarterbacks. But um, with guys making commitments, um, you know, it sort of seemed like Notre Dame was really focusing on Dylan Morris and then um, obviously Cade McNamara as well. Um, but Dylan Morris committed to Washington and that sort of left McNamara looking like a pretty strong possibility and he committed. So um, yeah, watching his film, I mean, first off looking at his, his stats, you know, over 3,500 yards passing last year, um, you know, he's good touchdown interception ratio Um, watching his film. He he throws a really good deep ball. Um, His offense that he runs is uh, kind of similar to Notre Dame's offense. uh, They run a spread, um, he seems to have good command. He's definitely not scared to take a shot. He'll hang on to the ball and, and uh, stand in the pocket. Um, they, he uses a lot of – their offense uses a lot of uh, sort of play action and uh, sprint outs to sort of develop these vertical throws. And um, The thing that I guess Tim Priester actually brought up in his uh, film room uh, review article is that, you know, he throws really well on the run to both sides, left and right, Um you know, although he has a bit of an unorthodox uh, delivery, he does get the ball out quickly. Um, he shows that he just has a good knowledge of the game and quite a bit of poise for his age. I think any of the sort of shortcomings that he has where you'll see some, you know, pretty good ball placement, like I said, a pretty good deep ball, not a ton of velocity and zip on the ball, but I think that that will come uh, with maturity. you got to remember, we're just watching, you know, a sophomore film. 
It's going to have two more years. You know, 6'1", 186, he said he is right now. I mean, it's a very good possibility that he'll be 6'3", 200 by the time he graduates. That could happen. Um, You know, sometimes to make some of those, you know, big boy throws, you just, you need to be, you know, a senior in high school. You need to develop a bit more, and he'll do that. Um, I spoke with his father, and he trains with, uh, you know, Carson Palmer's younger brother, who also played, in the NFL, he's a quarterback coach. Um, looks like he spends a lot of time uh, working on his craft. I feel good about it, and um, I know that Pete, you got some sort of good feedback. Um, so that's uh, that works really well. I think that it was a really important commitment. It's awesome to get for Notre Dame to get uh, a quarterback to kick off for 2019 class as well. Yeah, back-to-back quarter commitments, quarterback commits to open classes, and yeah, talking to people around Notre Dame, they really like of the intangibles, leadership, personality of McNamara. So that's all positive. And I think as we spin this into the, our five guys segment, McNamara is actually my first one. So I'll, I'll talk sort of about why I think he's a good fit for Notre Dame. One, and I think the, the biggest thing is just that he's got a interest in Notre Dame that goes beyond the coaching staff. Because if you look at the dynamics of Notre Dame staff right now, let's just assume Cade, Cade McNamara doesn't really factor into the lineup until his junior year that maybe Brandon Wimbush is gone by then, or you know, he's backing up Phil Dracovic. Regardless, if we're talking about McNamara's junior season, that's 2021. That'd be Brian Kelly's 12th year, which is kind of a reach to think that's going to happen just based on Notre Dame history. And some of Kelly's comments over the years that no, the Notre Dame job is not something you do for a lifetime. It's not really a tenured professor position. Uh, and then also Chip Long, would that would be his fifth year here as offensive coordinator, which would be, I believe, the longest offensive coordinator tenure in modern Notre Dame football history. So you're going to have to find a guy who wants to be at Notre Dame for reasons beyond just the coaching staff. And, I mean, in some ways, Phil Dracovic was the same way because he was recruited very hard by Mike Sanford, who ultimately left before he even signed a letter of intent. So I think it's a situation where you got to find a guy who's willing to be a good fit and understands that, hey, I'm, co- I'm committing to a school, not a coach. And I think number two is just sort of his skill set. We could talk about why he's a good fit for Chip Long and what Brian Kelly wants to run, but I think he'd be a good fit for basically any offense because he's much more of a spread pocket passer who can move a little bit, and you can apply that into all sorts of different systems. Um, so if Notre Dame's offense evolves a little bit in the next three, four years, Cade McNamara is probably going to be able to evolve along with it, uh, and also it's you know it's a it's a good follow up to Dracovic last year, who's much more of your classic four star, top hundred maybe prospect, opposed to a little bit more developmental. So Cade McNamara, he's number one on my list, and there are a couple of reasons why I think he's a good fit, even if he's not. You're six foot four, two hundred fifteen pound, runs a four five athlete. Um, I think he's still a good fit for Notre Dame. Yeah, number one on my list is uh, Isaac Togia. Uh, he's a linebacker out of California that Notre Dame offered yesterday, Garden Grove, California, Pacifica High School. Um, right off the bat, his weight has sort of been in question. He told me he was 6'1", 215, although I think just over four months ago, he may have weighed in at around 195 at a camp. So uh, whether he put on 20 pounds since then is sort of in question, but up, um, according to him, he's 215, a uh, three-star linebacker, um, the n- number 51 outside linebacker in the class, 
Uh, number 14 outside linebacker in the West, number seven outside linebacker in California. Um, sort of, he plays, uh, he's been playing a sort of mixture of positions throughout his career. He started since his freshman year in varsity. Um, he played a sophomore year in a rover role in a 4-2-5 base scheme. Last year, they played more of a, a sort of a 4-3, and um, they sort of needed, you know, uh, someone who knew the defense well, a big hitter for the middle, so he moved to Mike. Um, he's being recruited um, at as a safety, uh, as sort of a rover position, and Mike, and outside linebacker. Um, has offers from Army, Hawaii, New Mexico, now Notre Dame, Penn State, Texas Tech, and Washington State. Um, also been hearing from Wyoming, Boise State, Arizona, Washington, Florida State, Colorado, Colorado State, Texas, Texas A&M, UCLA, Cal, uh, San Jose State, and San Diego State. So a lot, you know, almost the entire Pac-12. Um, he's done well at some camps. Uh, I know I spoke with Greg Biggins after the offer yesterday. He said he saw him in February at an Under Armour camp and was really impressed with him. Said he flew around the field really well, really active, athletic, um, big hitter. Um, so those are good things to hear. Um, I guess after speaking with Tugia, he, he sort of told me that he'd been sort of first in contact with Notre Dame uh, over a year ago, receiving interest from them anyhow. Um, I found it interesting um, that Mike Elko is the one who offered him and seems to be the main recruiter, um, not sort of you know Clark Lee or because he's from California, Brian Polian. Um, I guess that they, he went to the USC Rising Stars camp in June. I guess Todd Light um, sort of evaluated his his performance there. Um, he said he sort of had inconsistent contact with Notre Dame, and so he was kind of surprised, but with the offer, but it was a huge offer to him, and it also came. Uh, within two hours of getting an offer from Penn State. So his recruitment's taken a bit of a boost. Um, my question is which position um, they're sort of evaluating him to play if they were to take him. He uh, can play strong safety. Uh, USC is recruiting him as sort of a safety uh, role like they had Sua Cravens playing um, in the past. Um, he said a lot of schools like him at outside linebacker, but he was uncertain of which position Notre Dame was sort of recruiting him as. Um, of course, you know, message board posts sort of erupted yesterday. Well, is Notre Dame worried about Jack Lamb and, and Cam Grown? Is that why they're offering him? I don't think that that's the case. Um, you sort of always need to have, I, I don't really want to see plan B's, but you need to expand your board around this time of year. Um, just to ensure that you'll get the numbers you want. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, and I think we sort of pointed this out and reported this during the opening after watching Jack Lamb and Shane Simon and Cameron Grown and talking to people close to those situations. Notre Dame is not real comfortable with its linebacker situation right now in terms of what's on the roster, and they feel like they need to have sort of a home run, almost a uh, almost an over-signing situation at that position to, to get that right. Um, so that's... I think that's why that's happening that way. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go with Jason Oa, just he's visiting me today. You know, the 6'5", 236-pound defensive end out of Blairstown, New Jersey. We've talked about him for weeks, if not months. Uh, Notre Dame visit today, Ohio State tomorrow. It's I, I'm sort of with you, Kevin. I, I think that early on there was a question about whether he would be a take at Ohio State or not. I want to dig into that a little bit more today. I have 
but I was told that people at Ohio State think he's like first round pick good. So even Ohio State, with all its recruiting success, is not going to turn down somebody like that. Um, I do think Notre Dame. It's it's a sort of um, a difficult thing for Notre Dame to process when you look at what a high academic kid this is. But then you look at Ohio State and Penn State certainly doesn't have the academic reputation. But right now Notre Dame was they're behind in terms of a football decision for this kid uh, with Penn State coming off a Rose Bowl, Big Ten Championship, Ohio State coming off making the college football playoff. So Notre Dame after a four and eight season, I, I really feel like if Notre Dame had gone eight and four last year instead of four and eight, this one would probably already be over and Jason O would be in Notre Dame's class. But they um they have to sort of resell football if they have a good season this fall. So I think that's why Jason O has been more of a challenge than it, he would appear to be on paper. But he's uh, he's number two for me this week, this week, even though he would be number one for me in terms of how important he is to this class. Right. Uh, number two for me, cornerback Dante Burton, uh, 5'11", 175, three-star prospect, number seven corner in Georgia, Loganville, Georgia, Loganville High School. Uh, we've been talking about him as well quite a bit lately. Um, visited recently. Um, you know, he's really high on Notre Dame. Uh, Todd Light's done a really good job with him. Todd Light's done a good job with his father as well. His father, Dexter Burton, I spoke with him after they uh, arrived home in Georgia. Uh, he told me that, you know, Dante was considering committing to Notre Dame while he was on campus. They visited uh, Missouri, Virginia Tech, and a few other schools and. Um, sounds like, you know, they said the Notre Dame visit was easily the best visit they'd been on. Um, with Bob Elliott's passing, the whole coaching staff uh, were at his funeral the day of his visit. Todd Light took a private jet back to Notre Dame to make sure he is there uh, when they were on campus. And I think that scored some pretty big bonus points with them. Um, they're, you know, really drawn to Notre Dame. One thing that um, I thought was notable is that they let me know that Oregon has also been in touch with them daily. Um, they plan to visit there as well. So it's, this isn't, um, you know, a home run sort of get here. Um, if I had to guess now, I would say I would think that um, Dante Burden is going to end up at Notre Dame. Another thing uh, of note that I've just sort of recently come by, I actually talked to him this morning. He said that um, in terms of his ACT and SCT scores, he hasn't written his ACT yet. He's going to be writing it in September. So, you know, of course, he'll have to um, get what he needs there to uh, make it into Notre Dame. But uh, he seems really confident that that will happen. Um, so this is, you know, an important recruit for Notre Dame. He's, you know, a capable man coverage guy. Um, I think he'd, he'd be a really good addition to the class. And um, we've spent a lot of time having looks at cornerbacks. And this kid is one of the only, you know, prospects that looks like uh, close to a sure thing. So we'll be keeping an eye on him. Tommy Tremble would be next for me, tight end out of uh, out of Johns Creek High School in Alpharetta, Georgia. You know, somebody Notre Dame's been in on for a few months now, and I think if when we recorded last week's podcast, we assumed we'd be talking about his his commitment to Notre Dame on this week's podcast. Instead, he sort of took a visit to Georgia. Now backing off uh, the timeline, probably take official visits. I would think that if his schedule works out, we'll see him up here for Notre Dame, Georgia in September. But um, I'm sort of curious, like, Kevin, what your take was on this, because I don't think either of us 
had any opinion other than Notre Dame led. So a delay in the decision is probably not good for Notre Dame. What was sort of your feeling as you talked to Tremble about his his rethink in terms of his timeline commitment? Yeah, so I talked to him literally just as he was leaving Georgia. I got in touch right after his visit, and he said that Georgia had now given him something to think about and that uh, they had moved into a tie for his commitment with Notre Dame and that he was planning on making a commitment video and, you know, would release it when it was when it was finished in about a week or so. But I spoke to him again the next morning. Um, he said after speaking with his parents, he's decided that he is going to take his official visits first, which when I've spoken with him earlier on in the recruiting process, just after he got his offer, that was always what he wanted to do. He always wanted to take his official visits and be, you know, totally sure. After speaking with some other people who also know Tremble and know his situation, um, it sounds like academics truly are going to be a big factor in his decision. So that, you know, makes me feel pretty comfortable in saying that I really do think that he'll end up at Notre Dame. But, you know, his father went to Georgia. Uh, he lives in Georgia. That's the home state team. So it's obviously that's got to be a concern. I still feel really good about Notre Dame's uh, chances with him. And I think Notre Dame's going to, you know, the tight ends at Notre Dame this year are going to do really well. And he'll be watching. He'll be uh, taking an official um, for the Georgia game. Um, that'll be a huge game uh, for recruiting. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where he's at. I think that he just had a great visit. And, you know, I think that he truly just gave him something to think about and it stalled his decision. I think it's going to be a closer race than we thought. Yeah, I'm going to mention Joseph Asai real quick as my number four guy, four-star defensive end out of Oak Ridge High School in Texas. They're 6'4", 217 in terms of his height, weight on scout. Uh, real lean, long defensive end. I think he's not quite at the level of Jason Oa in terms of explosive athleticism, but in terms of build, it's not that different. Um He's not somebody I expect to end up at Notre Dame, but he listed Notre Dame as top three a couple weeks ago, and then this week sort of trickled out that Notre Dame will get an official visit. So if he ends up taking an official visit to Notre Dame, I guess you can't rule the Irish out completely, uh, even though Texas it's Texas A&M represent the other two teams in his top three, and I feel like A&M and Texas are probably a long way ahead of Notre Dame in terms of their recruitment of this kid, but... It's worth noting, it's worth following, um, see if he can get up here for either, I would assume, the Georgia game or the USC game, but um, he's somebody that not only put Notre Dame's top three now, it looks like he'll take an official visit, so that's something to at least remember. Yeah, I think one of the big hopes with him is if, if there's a situation where Oway uh, commits to Ohio State, maybe he could be turned on to the fact that he could be that guy at the defensive end for yeah, Notre Dame. definitely. But- other than that, I, I definitely have concerns and doubts to do with him. Um, my third guy is Jack Lamb. Um, we all know about him, four-star linebacker who just got a bump in rankings with Scout to number 96 overall, number one outside linebacker in California, uh, number two in the West, number three outside linebacker nationally out of Temecula, California, Great Oak High School. Six foot four, 224 pounds, and he sort of, you know released the top five of Oregon, Notre Dame, Penn State, Washington, and UCLA. Um, sort of the word on the street and the feeling that everyone's getting is that it's down to Notre Dame and UCLA. 
Um, from digging around the situation, it sort of seems like, you know, he really wants to make a very informed decision, which would, you know, if you were to be the most confident that he's making the most informed decision he could, it would include him taking an official visit to Notre Dame for a game day um, because he's been to several games at UCLA, Rose Bowl. Um, but he also, at the same time, really wants to make a decision this summer. So he's in a bit of a bind there. Um, I, I think, you know, he's geared towards making a decision this summer, but he could hold off to take that official visit. My thoughts are if he does take a visit for, to Notre Dame, say for the, the Georgia game, um, I think that would put Notre Dame in a really good spot to receive, you know, his commitment. Um, and he would be a really important uh, addition to the class. Um, he would de add, definitely add some star power. I like the thought of sort of having star power at all th three levels of the defense in this class if they were to add Lamb with Ad Jason Ademolola up front, Jack Lamb, the linebacker core, Derek Allen in the back end of the defense. That would be really appealing. Um, so, Keeping my eye on that, I'll see if he's going to make a decision on whether he's going to take that official visit or not, because um, Notre Dame would love to add him. Yeah, uh, last guy for me is Sam Taimani. Uh, so recruiting scoop for you podcast listeners. It will be up on the website probably by the time you listen to this. But he's going to take a visit to Notre Dame on Monday uh, with his sister. He'll be here Monday and Tuesday. He is uh, a two-way lineman out of Salt Lake City, Utah, 6'2", a little about 300 pounds. I saw him at the opening finals. Looked good. Played offensive guard there. Notre Dame could take him as a defensive tackle. They could take him as an offensive lineman. They don't really care. Uh, they think he's got star potential on both sides. Uh, really big-bodied, thick kid. Good personality, too, ever after getting to know him a little bit out there. Um, the plan for him was to always take a visit this summer, but now that we're into July, it looked like that probably wasn't going to happen, that it was going to be an official visit and sort of a look at Notre Dame one time, and that would they would have to basically make the sale in 48 hours. To me, it's critical that they get this kid out here for a visit in the summer and then can get him back for an official during the season to try to close the deal. So if they hit the right notes... On Monday and Tuesday with Sam Taimani, uh, four-star lineman from Utah, I really think he's got a chance to help them at two positions. Could he sort of help with uh, Jamie Franklin and Jason Adamalola at defensive tackle? Yes. Uh, Notre Dame still looking for some difference-maker prospects there. But I think you look at Notre Dame's offensive line, they signed four last year, and they probably need to sign another four this year. It's difficult to look at the board and find who – that four, third and fourth guy would be. Um, they're hunting some pretty big names there. So to get Taimani on campus once and then likely twice for an official visit down the road, it's a, it's a big Monday visit, just the fact that it's happening more than anything. Because, I mean, this is a kid with Alabama, Tennessee, UCLA, Washington, Utah, those kinds of offers. Um, he's got a very, maybe not a national offer list, but he's got a, a pretty high-level group of, of schools under consideration. So I, I like him a lot. Yeah, so do I. His physicality is unreal. Um, my fourth guy, uh, Shane Simon. So that's Notre Dame's top rover recruit. Uh, listed as uh, an outside linebacker with you know, 6'3", 215. Uh, rates as the number one outside linebacker in New Jersey, number two outside linebacker in the East, number 12 nationally, and number 152 overall recruit. Uh, opening finalist, Jersey City, New Jersey. 
um, sort of the schools he sort of narrowed it down to were Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, UCLA, and sort of Rutgers in the mix there as well. Um, you know, we all know about the close program ties he has. Brandon Wimbush went to St. Peter's Prep. The Ademolola twins play on the same defense as him. Um, I've sort of always felt that, um, within it, with his recruitment since he's gotten the offer that it would be a very good chance he'd end up at Notre Dame. Um, he just sort of fits the bill in every aspect. Um, academic kid, uh, mature, high-character kid, and he fits that rover position like a glove. I spoke with him just before the podcast, and uh, he confirmed that you know he's going to be making his decisions soon. Um, really wasn't sure when it was going to be, whether it be this week or next week, but it sounded like he's made his decision and he's going to announce it pretty soon here. Um, of course, there's uh, Michigan sort of you know lurking. Um, there is a possibility of Ohio State, although um, you know they have um, other top recruits um, at that position at safety, which they're recruiting him um, at. I think that between Notre Dame and Michigan and I really like Notre Dame's chances and he'd be a tremendous addition to the class. Yeah, no no question about that. I, I like I like Notre Dame's position and I like his fit at Notre Dame for Rover. I'm not sure I if I would see him as a a potential safety at Notre Dame uh, in a traditional sense, but after watching him at the opening and seeing how he fit in, but I think as a Rover he could be outstanding here. So that would be a that would be a big one. I think, Kevin, you've got, uh, you're going to go back to back here, four and five. Who's, who's sort of your last guy this week? I do. My last guy is a 20, 2019 prospect cornerback, Chris Steele, um, out of Bellflower, California, St. John Bosco, program familiar to Notre Dame. Six foot one, 188 pounds, uh, listed as the number one cornerback in California of the 2019 class, number one in the West, number three corner. Uh, nationally and number 29 overall recruit um, is currently a UCLA commit. Um, I've spoken with him. He said he's open to other offers and he's definitely looking at all of his options and going to be making other visits. Um, you know, he has other offers of Alabama and Cal, LSU, Michigan, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Stanford, USC. Um, many of those schools pushing for him um, September 1st when that date rolls around and, um, Recruiters and college coaches are going to be able to contact recruits. I'm sure his phone is going to be blowing up. Um, Polian, Brian Polian offered him, uh, let him know that they definitely expedited their recruiting process with him. They got to the defensive staff got together, watched his film, and just thought, you know, we had, that they had to offer him. Um, he's close with uh, current Notre Dame safety DJ Morgan. He comes from St. John Bosco as well. They've known each other a long time. They talk often. Um, this is a kid who's legitimately interested in Notre Dame. I know often we hear about these sort of blue chip recruits and thinking about Notre Dame, but we're not sure how much uh, to really buy into it. But I spoke with his father recently, and he told me that he's legitimately serious about Notre Dame. Um, the academic side of Notre Dame, um, you know, all, everything that comes along with it, the alumni base, um, it's all really appealing to him. Um, I definitely do have, I feel that he is giving Notre Dame a strong look. And he uh, also is friends with Amon Ross St. Brown, and he was thinking about taking a visit with Amon Ra when he takes his official during the fall. But what he's decided now is that 
he's going to take an, his official visit in April with the new uh, rules stating that juniors can, can take official visits as early as April now. Um, he's going to take that visit, and he's one to keep an eye on. He would be, you know, a, a tremendous addition to Notre Dame's class looking for um, difference makers at the cornerback position. Yeah, that, that guy is a, a cut above a, a lot of the other prospects we we see and talk about. So that's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra podcast. I know I said this last week, but I do think by the time we return next Thursday, we'll be talking probably about another commitment in Notre Dame's class with Shane Simon uh, closing down his recruitment shortly. Uh, we'll see if that gets done before our next podcast. So until next Thursday, he's Kevin Sinclair. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening to our latest Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra. Thank you.